Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily, how are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle, I feel a little bit like we're derobing. You know, yeah, yeah. We're, like, <laughs> we're unmasking. We're unmasking ourselves. for the conversation, but yeah. thankfully we we're, we're diligent. We yeah. have a very small little circle, just you and me, <laughs> just all the time yeah. in our bottles of wine. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say that thankfully we have our bottles of wine because I we would probably be a little stressed oh, by now. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So very happy to be here. How are you doing, Michelle? Doing well. I got back from visiting my mom. Uh, this past weekend, drove down to Tennessee to see her. I haven't seen her since November of 2019. That's a long, long time. time. And uh, uh, this was the first time I visited her since she moved to Tennessee and uh, um, uh, met uh, her husband's family and stuff like that. And it's, it's really pretty. Um, I, but, uh, you know, I'm... I'm kind of a city girl. <laughs> yeah, well, and they don't they have one of those tiny homes? They do. They do live in a tiny home. So did you stay in the tiny no, home I stayed with them? No, I stayed in a hotel. Okay. Uh, but I was at I was at the tiny house for, you know, 12 to 13 hours a day. And, is it uh, adorable? It is very cute. It's it's very ecologically friendly. I'm I'm super impressed with them for about that. Um they have the toilet is like it's called an incinerator toilet, so it just it like burns everything, and then you just wow. take the ashes out, oh so you don't need God. any any um, any septic tank or because they don't have sewer lines up there, right. so it would have to be septic tanks. So then I asked, well, where does your 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 um, dishwasher? You know, they don't have a dishwasher, but you know their their sink water and um, yeah. And, uh, um, I guess it would be just the sink and the bathroom sink water sure. goes, and uh, they have a dry well, so everything kind of plums out outside. Is that, and, and then can they like water their yard with that? Well, he, cap- or? he captures um, rain. He's got rain barrels, so he uses that. Mm-hmm. But I think that just goes out into the. I mean, it's just you know from the sink. It's not yeah. like it's you know it's not waste. I mean, it's not like waste yeah. water. So any of that waste stuff gets taken care of in the incinerator toilet. Um, so that Isn't that fascinating? Was pretty interesting. Yeah, and everything is used. Every little space is used. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did add a uh, a, a three season room and a screened in porch and a deck. So I think oh, they nice. tripled their space by adding those other other um, places yeah. to go. Well, having that immediate access to outside in a way that's like environmentally friendly and in mm-hmm. bad weather, I imagine, can really increase yeah. the sanity spectrum when you're sharing a small space with someone. It's a small space, and I, I had to. My mom asked me. She said, "Well, what do you think, Michelle?" I go, "Well, I, I you know I think this is a great." place for maybe like one person i just don't know you know a whole family yeah oh i mean they're they're two adults and i you know and then i was there i you know but i and then the three dogs there's they're little dogs but um but it was a good visit and i you know i can the hotel is less than three miles away so i can stay there and um and see mom so we'll go back down um you know sometime this this summer and see her or go up no it is down Oh, but let me tell <laughs> you. Matter. Let me tell you, Emily. The craziest thing <laughs> was uh, where. So where my hotel was, my phone said I was in Eastern time, 
but the clock in the room was central time. Then I would turn the TV on and the TV would be Eastern time. But if you put the information, if you like click the information button, it was central time. I was so confused the first morning I woke up. I know right where you were now because, you know, during my travel era. Yeah. Like, I would travel to that spot and have the same problem. (laughs) It's like this little nook right there that's— There was so—like, you could go—I don't know how many— Were you close to Ohio? No, no. We were Alabama. It was Tennessee. Oh, And very close to to Georgia. So near Chattanooga. So apparently, you know— 500 yards, we would be, it would have been in Alabama, um, you know, then you could go. I mean, so Chattanooga is Eastern time, but where my where my mom was is Central time. And Amazing. So I just, um, I woke up and I thought, oh my God, I can't believe I've slept until 9 a.m. And I thought, I'm going to be late to my mom's. I texted her right away. She's like, no, it's okay. I'm like, I'm going to be late. I'm like, what, what time is it, mom? Because my phone says it's nine, but that clock says it's eight. And it was, wow. it was I had to just keep thinking about that clock and um and I just kept thinking but it was crazy it was like I don't know yeah yeah I I don't know how people live in that all the time Mm, well I'm sure just like figuring out how to live in a tiny house you figure out how to deal with dueling time zones (laughs) so um yeah I left there it was 78 degrees so hot and muggy like like the south would be rain was coming and then I came back here was it 50 55. Yeah, it's so nice. I'm glad spring is here. We yeah. can get we can get back outside and spring, but it's not summer yet. Yeah, yeah. hallelujah. Hyacinths should be coming up soon. That's my Oof. favorite. Yeah, yeah, I love those. It's like this little pop of joy. Yeah, know? and I love the way they smell. Love the way they yeah. smell. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's all, but everything's pretty good. Wonderful. Glad I'm glad glad I made the trip. You know. Yeah, of course. And they've they've had their first vaccine, so I was very safe. But I thought they've already had one, one dose. Um, you know, we'll they're be, much further ahead than Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're also my parents. They're older, so yeah. <laughs> they're going to be in a higher, um, uh, earlier category. But um, I know we have a, like a lot we want to like, get know. into today and talk about. Maybe you tell us about Let's our wine talk about we're drinking the wine. first. Yeah, so. Um, I brought a Burgundy today. This is a Côte de Bonne from 2018. And um, I can say I've had this wine before, and I thought it was just really, really yummy. And I thought, okay, let's bring it. Um, And you know what's amazing is that this is a Burgundy, a Côte de Bonne that's like under $25. See, I've never heard of Côte de Bonne. Well, it must be it's, in another it's a, area. It's a region within the Burgundy, okay. you know, and I am a really big, a big fan of Coda Bones. Okay, and this is not B O N E. I was going to say, by the that. way, <laughs> it's B A U B E A U N E, and it's just it's a really pretty wine. You know, yeah. the aromatics are right now. We just pop this bottle. It, it only deepens as you let it hang out, and it's one that you can. You know, let it age a bit, but I get just it, it smells like Pinot Noir to me, right? It's I got a delightful aroma. I wonder if it is Pinot Noir. It might not be. It might be Gamay or something like that. But it's delicious. It's um, it's very um, very like cherries and raspberries on the nose. I'm getting just a little bit of herbaceousness on the palate. It's very fresh. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. you think? 
I do. Um, I can't wait for the taste to catch up with the uh, with the aroma. I yeah. think as it sits here a little bit longer and opens up some more. Yeah, we'll just definitely make sure to share share what this little sweet bottle is. But I um I think it's very delicate. Yeah, and uh, an easy drinker. So watch out. It it <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. it's definitely it's. It's nice. I like it. Um, I don't really have a panty for it yet. I need to sit with it a little bit longer. Um, yeah. Because it, right now for me, and granted, you just opened the bottle up, just yeah. poured it in. You know, I know. And uh, right at. now the like the, the aroma is, is, is smells so flavorful, but my taste hasn't caught up to that. To me. Yeah. I mean, I think this, is, this to me is mm-hmm. expressing itself like a Pinot Noir because it is so like delicate and it's yeah. got these nice little like pretty fruits and slight florals yeah. and it's very delicate you know yeah. and it's this very it's pretty really little pretty. color this kind of like it's got this kind of luminosity to it it's lovely mm-hmm. so anyway we will see how it expresses as this conversation rolls on yeah. but you know i'm excited about our conversation today because you and i we had our time of the month episode Mm-hmm. We're recording this a week later after our time of the month episode um, in February. When uh, Actually, we're now in March, but we're recording this um, uh, after we were kind of talking about the month of love and, mm-hmm. and yep. the marriage contract and how that's evolved through the years. And it was just such a fascinating conversation that we thought, let's— Let's, Keep exploring it. Let's yeah, let's dive yeah. into it a little bit more yeah. and share it with our listeners who you know engage yep. with our our right. audio podcast. Right. So. We had um I I'd come across this episode called Why Do We Make Marriage So Hard on the Hidden Brain and that's a podcast uh, show through NPR. It's phenomenal. Um, if, so if you when you have finished listening to all of Clearly Speaking podcast episode <laughs> and you're looking to expand your library, feel free to add Hidden Brain to it. Oh, so good <laughs> because yeah. it's so it's just make, really makes you think. And uh, we there were a lot of things in this episode about marriage that Emily and I were like let's let's discuss this. And and a lot of a lot of um, things I didn't know, and one of the concepts or realities is that you know what marriage looks like today in 2021 versus what it looks like in uh, 1951 versus mm-hmm. 1901 versus you know 200 years 200 years ago, years ago. yeah, um, and and the challenges that we have now in our marriages are different because we expect something different from them, so. Historically, up until how has marriage evolved up to now, historically marriages were really about like a survival. You know, two two families in a town would like you know marry off the 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 children, and so that the, then that they could become stronger. Um, the you know two businesses or um, or the lands would become greater. Right, right. Yeah. So it was it was definitely about survival. It was and, survival and and uh, power. Yep. Yeah, I mean, because you, you think about like the like all of the kings and queens and princesses. Mm-hmm. You know, the the marriages were how do we make? You know, we have to have these strong alignments and allies. Think Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> well, think Bridgerton, except for the like all of the sex scenes in it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, they can happen too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was anyway. Um, 
<laughs> so, so we have uh, kind of evolved though now, uh, and marriage is isn't really about um, survival. I mean, it, consolidation uh, of land and survival, uh, yeah, like and assets. Fundamentals, you know, I mean, we yeah. there are. I mean, I think there are like. You know, for some people, it is a survival thing, or or for some people, yeah. it might be, you know, and you know, uh, greater assets um, together. But we ha- now, so like in the '60s and '70s, um, they started. It became more about you know marrying for love. Mm-hmm. You know, we should get married for love, and and then now it's evolved more into um, not only marrying for love. But um, self self actualization within your marriage, mm-hmm. like you want to marry somebody who makes you or helps you be the best person you can be, right? So, and these are sort of, these are you know these are general. You know, um, I'm not saying that every marriage is like this or that every marriage back then was like that, like it was, like we've discussed. But but there are challenges mm-hmm. that come with this evolution. Yeah, you know, I, I I love the fact that, especially you know, in our Western Hemisphere and in 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 parts of the world where they're adopting those ideals, that this like idealism of, you know, being in a relationship because you want to be in the relationship because it's mutually beneficial in in not ways beyond material, right? You know, emotionally and and spiritually and and uh, and personal growth and passion and love and all those things, yeah. right? Um, but there are still global traditions that, you know, we are we are fortunate in that we get to explore love here as an option for marriage. Yeah. And there are definitely traditions around the world that are still um, practicing arrangements. Yeah. 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 Um, absolutely, there, there still are. Uh, however, we're... I'm not very well versed in those traditions, you know, so I know that we're not, we're not discounting that those happen Mm. around the world. However, if we think about, you know, when, when you have, when you have the chance to, when you decide that you're going to marry for love, then that partner that you're looking for is different or could be different than if you had been somebody saying, I needed to marry for survival, Mm -hmm. you know, um, what you expect from that partner could be mm-hmm. too much, could be not enough. Um, it's it's kind of, or, or help me here, part of my thoughts are, I think it's fabulous that we, that we I mean, w- want to marry for love. I'm all, all on board for that. But do we delay that because we think, Maybe this relationship I'm in right now is not. Maybe this. Maybe there's something better. Maybe maybe the real love. Like I love this person mm-hmm. I'm with. Or, you know. Maybe maybe we don't take the 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 chance on somebody because we think that we have this idea of what love is supposed to be. That maybe it's greater than. Maybe our idea is that love is greater than what we are currently experiencing. Even though it's even though we love, but maybe it needs to be three times, four times, five times greater than that. Our ideas come from our environment, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so sometimes it can be survival. Even still, even mm-hmm. if you have the luxury of of growing up in this environment where it's it's 
you can you can fall in love and marry somebody that you are passionately aligned with. You know, if we look at um, the age in which people are getting married, it's slowly getting older, older yeah. but not not dramatically so. If you think about like, you know, when my parents got married, they were in their, you know, my mom was 19, my dad was 20. You know, when I got married, I was, you know, 24, you know, and, and now there are people getting married at 27, you know. And so, you know, what we know in that time is what we know. Right, right. <laughs> and that's what informs our decisions. I like the fact that the trend is 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 going later in life. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we'd certainly learn more about ourselves and and are able to make decisions that are, you know, maybe more self-empowered the more that we live on, you know? And so I I, I do I, I celebrate that, that that tradition is shifting. Um, I do want to kind of circle back just a second mm-hmm. when we were talking about, you know, the different cultures and, and how, you know, here we're marrying for love versus other cultures that have different traditions. You know, truly, you're right. Neither of us grew up in a, in a society where people are getting arranged left and right. Which is what I find so fascinating about it, and I've 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 met several people, have known several people that have been in arranged marriages, and know several people today, and it's such a fascinating thing to me, um, you know, because it's foreign, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and I'm like you, yeah, ask questions, right, you right. know, and. Oh my God, it's so fascinating to me because nobody wants for their child to end up in a marriage that's unhappy. So the intention behind the arrangements are, right. of course, today. Yeah, I would think there'd be a lot of pressure though because, I mean, I know I made I personally made a choice and I was unhappy in it. Can, I can't imagine sure. if I was making a choice for somebody else. And then they, It's a lot of pressure, uh, right? And then we come this at it from the— the person you love most, right, your baby. Right. Well, and, you know, we come from the perspective of, wow, you didn't have a choice to marry this person, you know? It can be terrifying, I'm um, sure. Yeah. Well, I think with—I'm going to— uh, theorize here some of the arranged marriages uh, they, within their culture within um, in their tradition uh, they have they have probably a little bit more of a willingness to really invest in making it work that's exactly right um, that's what I was going to share and so some yeah. of yeah so some of then that would that would also then harken back to like when marriages were for survival or for you know power mm. you know they would continue you know, through good times and bad you know really invest because they had to they had to keep it together they had to keep the relationship together um, but we don't and I'm speaking, you know, in a general, we, uh, when you're married for love, as opposed to necessity, uh, we maybe don't make those investments into a relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the challenges in marriages. You know, I think it all comes down to intention, whether it's arranged or not. You know, like I think about those that I know that have been in arranged marriages. They both, you know, most of the time, those that I know have said, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to be there and to commit. 
And so that's a much different scenario than one that's like, I'm being forced down the aisle because it's a great family union, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's the same thing with in our Western society where it's like, I've fallen in love. I want to start my life with somebody. Like the intention is there. And, you know, I think um, part of the question to explore is when, when when does personal happiness start getting compromised with intention and and how like those expectations that are set upon marriage like we were mm-hmm. like you prefaced in today's conversation when does that start seeking like seeping in and start shifting how we think about marriage and wanting to make changes right i i think that um from listening to the podcast and uh and doing some reading it looks like we we have an expectation of what a marriage is supposed to do for us. And, and again, I'm speaking collectively and generically. <laughs> right. Um, all kinds of disclaimers because we know that there are all <laughs> sorts of unique situations right. out there. But um, collect, gen- generally, we we have an expectation and our expectation is based upon what we see around us, whether that's in a movie or, you know, our neighbors or our parents mm-hmm. or our friends. Um, we have an expectation of what a, that relationship is supposed to do for us. And if that expectation, um, if there it falls short, um, sometime, and that could be, then relate back to your happiness, the relationship isn't meeting your expectations, then sometimes we think, well, maybe this isn't the right relationship for me and um, I need to I need to mm-hmm. do something else. I need to end this this marriage because I'm not happy. Yeah. Um, and, and I... I, I don't want anybody to stay in anything that they're not happy in. Yeah. What I what I'm curious about is do we pull the trigger too soon? In both ways. Do we pull the trigger too soon when we do get married? Our intention is there. Mm, um yeah. even if you've waited till you're twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. Um and then do we pull the trigger too soon when we've decided that it's not working for for me. I think that's a fair question. I mean, we're evolving human beings always, hopefully, you know. Yeah. If we're not, I'm so sad yeah. for you, you yeah. know, that you're not uh, someone that's evolving and growing. Um, you know, I think that... Um, uh, oh, my goodness. I lost my train of thought that's, there. That's what happens. Um, <laughs> like, my question was about uh, do we pull the trigger too soon oh. on ending relationships, beginning relationships? Mm. When do um, – and when I said, like, that because this relationship isn't working for me, do we know what that really means? Oh. What does it really mean when a, we say a Thank relationship you. either works for me? I mean, do we know that? You know, I think it really comes down to communication. You mm-hmm. know, like – that if you can be sharing your journey with your partner and you're communicating how you're evolving mm-hmm. because we are evolving human right, beings right, right. and as long as you're growing together and even if you're not growing together but you're aware of each other's growth and you're supportive and and are you know are there for one another and can you know talk about it that's wonderful. I think when things start to really fall apart is when you can't. If this person's not interested in your new career choice, mm-hmm. you come home. You know, now yeah. all of a sudden you're no longer, you know, that's something you can't share. If you are, you know, oh my gosh, I'm really interested in experiencing it's COVID, so I know things are different, but this symphony or this play or this 
this this park or go hang mm-hmm. it, whatever activity, if all of a sudden there's disconnect and things that you enjoy collectively, of course there's going to be separation. And so, you know, if if you can't come together on the things that you enjoy collectively and then can't talk about the fact that you're evolving differently, then it is a recipe for... So, well, right, well I disaster. hear you on that, but where... Where in those examples, right within that t- that that relationship, is it worth like trying to get back to the center with that person, right? Like to say, "Hey, babe, you haven't come with me the last three times that I wanted to go see a movie." Uh, you know, do we talk to do we talk about it, or or do we more of as a tendency sort of internalize that, not say anything, build up that resentment that you know my partner doesn't want to come with me to go see the movies anymore, yeah, um, or the you know my partner prefers to you know play golf all the time, or um, you know my partner doesn't want doesn't want to you know discuss um, uh, the way our finances are. I mean, yeah. So I know with my own ex-husband, we had um, we could talk about anything except for our problems with our relationship. <laughs> right, of course, you yeah. know. Um, and and I was, you know, I was in my twenties when I married. Well, I was twenty-four when I got married. Thirty-four when I got divorced. And even what I could talk about at thirty-four, I mean, I could talk about with so much better now. Yeah, you know, of course, because I I have the vocabulary. I have an understanding, um, and so. You know, they say youth, youth is wasted on the young. I, I, I don't necessarily believe that, um, but I think we have so much, so much more wisdom when we're older. Mm-hmm. That maybe, and I'm not saying I should have stayed with my ex husband. This is not what I'm trying to say. But maybe for people, like if you don't pull a trigger, like if you, if you wait, or, or how do you invest? How do you, how do you make your relationship be a long lasting one? And then at the same time, Emily. Why do we put, why is society, do we put all this emphasis in these long-lasting relationships? I mean. I I think that's exactly the note I just wrote to myself that I wanted to say is that I think that a social construct that might need to change is that maybe it isn't forever. You know, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe it's okay to say goodbye and to love each other enough to say, look, you want different things and I want different things and I love you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want you to go explore those things, and it's time for you to do it and and to do that in a safe way. I don't know how to go about it because, again, socially that doesn't exist. Because we have this this idea that we got to get to the sixtieth wedding anniversary, yep. the fiftieth wedding anniversary. Like yeah. you know, we we put the till people, death do us part, right? Put people right? up on pedestals. I mean, even what was it when Harry met Sally? That movie with the interviews of the old the yes. old elderly couples, and they were so cute. You know, <laughs> finishing each other's sentences, <laughs> right? But like, I, I also look at it and go like, how much misery did they go through? Oh. But and the question is, you know. You know, marriage doesn't always have to be like happy. Relationships doesn't, they don't always have to be sunshine and rainbows and unicorn spitting glitter, right? Right. But do we see, do we see or do we have in our lives good examples of people Mm -hmm. who, who love each other more now through those hard times? Absolutely. You know, I definitely, admire i've 
several friends that have had mm-hmm. long-term marriages. I even have friends that were married for a long time, got divorced for three years, and came back, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have—of course, we all do, you know? And, and I'm so happy for those of my friends that have been able to find a true lifelong partner. I, I am, you know, but I'm also really proud of my friends and myself included mm-hmm. that has said, you know what? I need something more. I need something different. And and so we socially have gotten our heads around that idea, you know, divorce and, you know, yeah. people yeah, having multiple marriages are 52% of the time, if not more now, yeah. right? But, but— the thing that we haven't quite adopted is this ability to let someone go. Think about divorce attorneys. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> they make some money, you they know? Do. They do. <laughs> Sometimes your divorce attorney costs more than your wedding. Oh, oh, that's a that's a for sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's times two. Yeah. Well, I think... I always believed that the nicest thing two people could do for each other would be to let each other go. Because yeah. when you're in a relationship where the, the, the love is quickly evaporating or is yeah. non-existent, um, how, how kind is that to, A, be kept in a relationship like that or to keep somebody in that relationship? I mean, the nicest thing that somebody could do is to say, you know what? Um, I, I think you need to. We need to end this so that you can be loved the way you need to be loved. Yeah. You know, uh, and there's somebody out there for you for that. I, I I can't. I'm not loving you in that manner. Um, and so, but that's hard because it's just because it's because it's real and it's honest. You know? Well, there's that, but we also again let's look at the constructs that are in place. Mm-hmm. Right? We know that a separation requires expense. Right. And pain. We're looking at like in in the United States, it's a minimum of a year to go through like divorce court. Mm-hmm. It's so much. But like you said, it's more than a wedding. Yeah. Often. If, and I'm like times two. Yeah. You know, so people are, you know, they can often get their heads around the fact that it's. Like, we want more for one another, but then there's, like, the fear associated with the finance of it all. And because we've made marriage a business, too. Because, exactly because, right. Yeah. Probably, it's probably an institution that the institutional portion of marriage has not evolved like we have yes. as people. We're like, well, we want, I want to get married for love, and I want to be, I want that mm-hmm. person to make, I want to be, you know, a better person when I'm with them. Um, but when it comes down to when you get married, well, it's a legal contract, yep. and now you have joint assets, and you have, um, you know, his mm-hmm. and hers, but if now if it comes time to separate, if you commingled anything, that's going to, mm-hmm. you're going to have to figure out how to, you know, um, it's a complicated web, right? And yeah. people are often— it's like, And it's okay, usually like, harder financially on the woman in the relationship, on the outcome. I, it, generally, I know that's not for everybody, but it's usually more—the woman usually comes out uh, less with less income than if she, were, if, if she stayed in the relationship. Yeah, I would say most of the women that I've known, including yeah. myself, yeah. usually end up saying— you know, a year, two year battle. This is, this is, just, our happiness is not worth 
this yeah. money can be earned. And I've definitely found that to be true. It, and you're right. It's it's different. Every couple's but different. Just, but so when people are afraid of that financial hit, and of course, and on the, on, you know, I've heard male, male friends of mine say, well, I am, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get divorced because I'm going to, it's going to cost too much. It's going to cost me too much money. Yeah. Which then, you know, think about it, Emily, why, why should relate, you know, it seems we're quantifying people. Yeah. Why not? Why not live your life fully and why hold back the life of someone you supposedly love, you know, yeah, well, to, because of paper? Right, because you want to hold, you, you, you don't want to change anything in your life. It's, I mean, we all know it's very complicated. Yeah. There's so many layers, there you are, know, there but, are, but, but I want to go back to your con the, the concept you brought up of, uh, maybe, maybe it isn't forever. I, know? I, you know what? I think, I think if we could build conversation around the fact that, you know, maybe this, maybe the vows aren't till death do us part. Maybe the vows need to shift, you know. And uh, they talked about that in the in the that podcast episode, and it, they called it like a like a marriage contract. So where um, this is one tool, one possible mm -hmm. tool for that, where the couple would um, agree to be in this in the committed relationship, married for five years or ten years or whatever amount mm -hmm. of time that they decided to do, and then that they would come back together at that end of that time and evaluate: do they mm -hmm. do they want to stay married? Do you want to extend the contract another five years, ten years, or at no, you know, or do they want to you know, like end it at that point in time? And uh, and I think that's a, a fabulous idea and tool because yeah. it makes him talk. It makes it makes it that and so that the way I approach that is that it makes that relationship not taken for granted because it's not a given that it's going to be around there for you forever. So, so the only aspect of me that's struggling with this is that it still sounds legal. Like it still sounds very, um, it's all about the black and white of what the words say and not about what the heart says. Like, why are we so seated in to love being this legal, I'm going to say it again, construct like, why can't we—I love the idea of being married. I love the idea of committing my life to someone and and sharing this beautiful vision together. But I also don't love the fact that when you decide that life together isn't working anymore, that it has to be a battle. So tying it to legalities it was, is what makes it so messy. Well, I think that with the idea of the marriage contract is just words. We could call it the marriage commitment. Mm. We could call it, mm. you know, the marriage, you know, sure. um, video so, game. So high, perked up. Or, like, ooh. Whatever. <laughs> um, but it just means that, you know, both both partners can come together at the end of five years or however long they decide and mm. say, you know, and evaluate. Is, do, we, do we really want to keep doing this? Yeah. Yay or nay? And it's, and it's, it's a mutual because— yeah. A lot of times when relationships end, marriages end, it's usually one party over the other. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, communication isn't there, right? right? Somebody's like, you know, yeah, being shut down or right. whatever. Right. 
that so that's that's a tool. That's an idea, and I um, it is because you know who I was in my twenties when I, in my breeding days. Oh my lord, um, is different than who I am today. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and you know I'm glad I I'm glad I was married to my ex husband, so I have my three kids. You know, um, you know maybe that's maybe your we have, beautiful perfect kids. <laughs> maybe you've we got them right. Maybe we have like you know our breeding marriage. <laughs> <laughs> then you have your rebound marriage, no. and then you have your your lifelong marriage. Maybe yeah. you know it's like, what kind of relationship are we entering into? Is this a sexual passionate one? Is this a one all about material things? Is this one that's all about like uh, helping yeah. helping each other? You know, navigate the world of Medicare, uh, or is it just because we can't stand life without you? Right. Which is the grand ideal. And right? which is every what everybody wants that's what they want to have. I'm sorry, again, that's generally um, <laughs> not everybody wants to have that grand ideal. But we do. We have this we have this expectation and and we and we also then another aspect that causes marriages relationships to fail is that we sometimes put all of our expectations onto that other person. Right. And, and that's that's not a fair thing either. It's like, not. And I can think in COVID times, that's far more complicated because we have been, you know, very isolated to a small group, you know, many just within their homes. Mm-hmm. I think about, mm-hmm. you know, my parents, my my grandparents, like that's it. They have right. not been social. Like you and I, we have each other. We have a very small right. quarantine bubble of right. people, you know, we have our work Things like that that give us stimulation and ideas and growth beyond, you know, our partner. And so, uh, you know, I think it's 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 extra challenging when we have these kind of moments of and of it, And isolation. in this COVID time, I mean, there's added stress on top of that. So when we when, – one of the things they talked about is social, day, social diversity and, um, and how – and you and I are very good at being socially diverse, especially yeah. pre-COVID. Definitely, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. And so, and that, and when you can be socially diverse and have you know friends and you know all of not you're not requiring your one partner to meet all of your needs, and and being upset when they don't. Uh, however, in COVID, with this huge contraction of our social relationships. It has, you know, it has caused that that, incred- that stress and strain on people because they're totally. expecting, I mean, they're already stressed because we can't have our social network, yeah. right? We can't have all of the people that we normally um, interact with on a weekly basis uh, in our lives where, you know, that interaction at the wine tasting could have provided oh like gosh. all of the, like some joy and laughter and, and, and ideas, and ideas come from that. And, yeah. you know, just, and some fun so that when you would come back to your home with your spouse, you're lively. You're spirited. Exactly. You have you're like, oh my gosh, this this was this um, triggered this idea, and let me cha- let me share that with you. And somebody said the kitchen would be amazing, painted Pink. green. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. right. I, yeah, we have. This, I've got new friends that are coming over for for dinner next week. Yes, but, we're gonna have Coco Ven at eleven o'clock. We're gonna start <laughs> cooking it. Which, by the way, we did, Michelle. <laughs> yes, yes, um, we did. Uh, and we ate it even later, but uh, <laughs> but I'm, my my concern. I mean, I was concerned before about the COVID contraction of our social relationships. But I'm like listening to the episode um, "Why Is Marriage So Hard" about that 
lack of social diversity. So, yeah. you know, I've, I have among my friends who are coupled up, I have, there is 50, 50. Some are way more, um, loving and stronger as a couple. And I, and I think it's because they've had time for each other. Oh. Right. And then I've had other couples that are like, you know, can't wait to get, you know, either they're going to kill him or they're going <laughs> to, you know, gonna call yes. on the divorce attorney. And I, I saw online that there have been more divorces in 2020 than there were I in 2019. It. I believe it. Yeah. Well, they've been forced together in one space for so long, Yeah, you know? And so there's two things, right? There's more than that, but the, you know, the first two are, you know, they either are depending on their spouse to fulfill, fulfill all, all their, needs, their needs, yeah, or it's exposing the discrepancy that already existed, right? Mm-hmm. That the fact that they weren't truly fully alive together, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, I think it's always healthy to have a fair amount of. It's okay if you know, you need your girlfriend time or whatever to, right, you right. know, it's okay, you know, yeah. and, and to give, to give your spouse or partner that opportunity to go be with their friends and you don't have to be there to not let, you know, jealousy or whatever yeah. take hold, you know, yeah. it's okay if, if, if your partner needs to Go socialize. You know? Well, and that we can. That's that was easy, much way easier to do pre-COVID, and Ooh. so we we know that some of these things that we're saying yeah. are, are difficult now. But I, I I do think that it's a uh, it's worthy an an examination mm-hmm. and and. Uh, and an examination of what your expectations are in a relationship, and what you would like want somebody to expect of you. Yeah, I remember somebody saying one time is like, you know, when you are ready to be the partner that you want from somebody, then everything falls into place. Ooh, that's a good. Yeah, you know, I'll say it again. Yeah. When you are ready to be the partner that mm. you want in somebody else. Then it yeah. falls into you place. You read my mind. I was like, "Can you repeat that?" And you did. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank well, you. I've had. I mean, I've had to, you know, <laughs> go over it a few times over yeah. all these years. But That's... because if you can't be, if you can't be what you want from somebody else, yeah, then there's going to be an imbalance. Absolutely. You know. If... And think about it. Also, in that that partner. Is that also what they want, you know? Right. Well, I mean, they said uh, they said the other thing was about like I want that I want my partner I want to I want to make me a better person. Like I I want to be like a better person yeah. with my partner. But your idea of what a better person is and what your partner's idea of your better version of yourself could be two different things. As long as they align, right? But they may not. Well. As long as they align <laughs> and stay aligned, it might evolve. And again, it comes down to communication. I think communication is definitely at the root of most everything. Um, and may, mainly, you, I think you need to have these these conversations definitely before you enter into a long-term oh, yes. committed relationship, um, marriage or otherwise, because it's hard to say five years into it, uh, 
look, Wait, this I wanted babies. You didn't want babies? Right. <laughs> or, um, yeah, this isn't really working for me. Well, yeah. you never, you didn't tell me before we got married that you mm-hmm. expected me to, you know, put dishes in the dishwasher or <laughs> you expected me not to spend all, all our money um, mm. every Friday or, you know, you expected right. me to help out with children, with the kids. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that, you know, these things people talk, we say this all the time. Well, make sure you, you know, you know, talk to each other and um, what, what Jason Maine on his episode. And he talked about how before he got married to his wife, his current wife, oh, yeah. they, they went, went to counseling. They went to counseling. Um, That's amazing. And somebody was like, well, why, why is it everything so bad now? He's like, no, man, things are great now. And if we can't, you know, communicate, we got to learn to communicate now for when the, the shitty times it's a come. Really good call out, Michelle. Yeah, because that I think is is I think that was a groundbreaking idea uh, to to seek couples therapy before you need therapy. <laughs> right. You know, and and make sure that you're all really thinking about things holistically. Well, I. Th- do you think that people are afraid to have those conversations yes. because they're afraid that <laughs> yes. nobody else will come yes. along and love them? <laughs> I mean, every possible reason you could, every question you could ask, my answer would be yes. Do we think that the reason that people don't think somebody else is going to come along, along and love them is because we're still wrapped up in this idea that marriage is forever and, yes. and you know, you have, if, you know, if you don't get married, you know, or... Um, too bad, so sad. Uh, mm-hmm. And and how do we get people to have those conversations? How do we get people to open up more besides listening to our podcast? Yeah, I, I, I it's, it's a, this is a major, not just cultural, social, I mean, this is like a huge social shift and it's, it's finding a new way to make it a normality, yeah. right? Um, which doesn't happen overnight. But yeah. at least we're creating conversations and space to make it become a part of the conversation that's more ubiquitous. And therefore, when we're entering into relationships, hopefully people are asking a few more questions, feel empowered to say, hmm, you know, I know this might be your third marriage, but what do you think about kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then- Whatever the... <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe even think about um, as as people in society, you and I, as you know, just mm-hmm. general folks out there, that um, that our perception of what a marriage is may not be what that our friends are having, or may right. not be what you know what we see down the street or on television or whatever. And and it can be freaky, like with right. like withholding our own judgment, right? With it like, can it can be totally it can be totally abstract and different but, than what your neighbor is doing. Well, so what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know we have to we have to refrain from putting our perceptions of what is right or what is acceptable. Yeah. Onto other people's relationships. And maybe if we all stop doing that, people feel more free within those relationships yeah. to define it how they want it. And then maybe that is that they want to leave that relationship. But yeah. they because we are not judging each other on the quality or the quantity or the whatever of their relationships, we give people more freedom to define it and, and change it. I love that. 
you know? Because, yeah, I love that. Because I, th- I, I think that's what we can, we can all do that individually. Yeah. You know, we don't have to wait for a huge society shift on, you know, to change. Just be more open-minded. Um, well, it, it, open-minded and, and closed mouth. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Respectful is maybe, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, like... Like you know, there might be people out there that have a marriage commitment uh, that that or a contract, or, or they might be exploring polyamory, or sure. they might be yeah. they might be um, ex- deciding that uh, I I love my spouse, but I no longer have a a, um, um, a physical desire for sex, and so yes, I my my spouse has a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'm okay with that. Um, different shapes you know. and sizes and it's all okay. And, and, or it could be that, you know, um, we've been married for 25, 30 years and we are just as happy today as we were, um, you know, 30 years ago and we need to go, wow, that's great. And not go, are you sure? Are you crazy? <laughs> like what's, Congratulations. you know, just like that, yeah. that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, because we, we, we sometimes in our expectations, not sometimes, generally, within relationships, we make it harder on ourselves and on our partners because because of our expectations, because of the of what we think society wants us or mm-hmm. how we should act, wants us to be or how we should act. Uh, so if you take a step back, you know, put yourself in somebody else's shoes, um, approach it from a different point of view, Maybe maybe that relationship you're ready to bail on isn't isn't ready isn't really bail worthy, right? Maybe maybe that relationship, if you spend a little time investing in it, you can get through this difficult time. Ask or some questions, communicate, see what you can, yeah. You know, or at the same it. time, if it's you could put that investment in and then realize, yeah, yeah it is it, it's over and 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 it's okay because I because I did the work, you know, you know because. I think it's okay to 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 want more out of life. The question is, how do we make it more normal for us to have those difficult conversations? Yeah, and then we have to be able to just to, to kind of define what we when we say we want more out of life. We you know to really know what that means. Yeah. You know, um, and it may mean that you have to take some time and sit with yourself to decide what that it, what that means, so that yeah. then your next partner you can. Um, you can communicate it more clearly yeah, and compliment one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I well, think this is very hopeful. I mean, it we, is hopeful uh, as we should be. And I and I'm glad that we've evolved. Like I'm really glad that marriage isn't all about necessity and and merging the two farms together and yeah. getting the kingdom stronger. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we're beyond that that fa- that phase. Yeah. Uh, I think people people sh- you know should you know love should be the reason for marriage. And, you know, just if you continue that conversation and, 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 you know, listen to our podcast or listen to the Hidden Brain Read, uh, you know, um, you know, you're not, you're not alone. Um, And, and you don't have to, you don't have to be alone, you know. Um, But yeah, this was great, Emily. Yeah. I'm glad we had this time. Yeah, me too. We had this time with our, our listeners as well. Absolutely. So. If you have thoughts and ideas on this subject and want to share, of course, you we have want to some, hear from you. If, if you have some examples of couples who are doing something completely differently than what we talked about tonight, 
Let us know. Yeah, send us an email or call us on our our phone line eight one two seven two seven zero seven nine four. Also, hey, uh, subscribe on iTunes and I'll hit our social. um, Do all the stuff. Do do all the stuff, but leave a review because that helps people find us, and we really appreciate everyone who has left a review for us. Um, We we love all of you. So um, we will see you guys next time. Cheers. Take care.